0: Welcome to the Crystal Says Let's Chat You and Me podcast, where every conversation is honest, inspiring, humorous, sometimes controversial, but always what you want to talk about. Your host is Crystal Haynes, a Christian author, speaker, and consultant. Join the conversation as she speaks on life, love, and everything in between. Let's listen in. What are we chatting about today?
1: Hello, 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 lovely people. We are back with another wonderful episode talking about something that people have treated as taboo for way too long. And right now we are busting down the doors because it's a necessary conversation. And so it brings me such pleasure to have this person, this wonderful woman on the show to chat with us today. Who are we speaking with? We are speaking to none other than Adana Wellington, MSW and founder of Adana The Truth Enterprises. Our topic, well, I think you can see from the title. We're going to be talking about trauma and the Black community. Adana, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Oh, thank you for inviting me. I definitely do appreciate it. I'm so excited and happy to be here to just talk about such an important topic as it relates to our community. So thank you.
1: You are most welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Okay, so let's just get right on in it. Could you tell us what exactly is trauma?
0: Absolutely. So trauma is defined as a deeply distressing and disturbing experience. So what that may look like can be a serious car accident, terminal illness, a natural disaster, being physically or sexually assaulted, even witnessing a crime. And some other examples of trauma that may be overlooked because It seemed as being normal, especially in low income areas, such things as, you know, not having enough food or being a, threatened to be evicted from your home or being separated as a that child. can be very yeah. traumatic. Very, very traumatic. And, and it's something that's being stopped by the police when you don't feel like it was warranted to be stopped, you know? So these are things that happen in those communities that's considered normal and chucked up to, you know, that's just the hood life. And so because that's normalized, people are less likely to seek help.
1: And You know, you said something that was major right there where it kind of gets swept under the rug in that, hey, that's just what it is. It, It is what it is. Deal with it. And that's been problematic for me Very, very problematic. Very. Too many times I've heard the line, even in television portrayals, that say, um, you people are so sensitive. Just get over it. I mean, the list goes on. Right. That type of speech is is so upsetting because it doesn't recognize the trauma that these marginalized people feel Mm -hmm. and experience. Instead, it's treated as though this is just the life you and people who are like you have to live. Oh, well, this is the lot that you've been given in life. Get over it. Deal with it. Whereas if it were someone else Mm -hmm. who the world may hold in higher esteem and higher regard, there is a plethora Mm -hmm. of resources and care and concern and laws enacted to help. But when it comes to the marginalized or those who are being looked down upon, it's, oh, just deal with it. It's kind of similar to those experiences of, you know, boys will be boys and that's just what girls do. Mm -hmm. It's it's things like that that continue to uh, perpetuate these wrong ideas, these, these myths and, and taboos. And it keeps us in a state where we're thinking this type of trauma, I don't have the right to speak on because it is what it is. I should just be dealing with it. So now I ask you, how do you think this type of mitigatory speech plays Mm. on the black psyche and how we process trauma?
0: Well, it, it plays out in many ways. And I, I, I want to also point out that although the Black community receives and experiences the most trauma, we have the least amount of resources in our community. So that's one. And even wow. if we, let's say, let's go down a history lesson, right? And any, anyone who is part of the African diaspora, think about how we even got to this country you know, we were kidnapped, abused, tortured, you know, traveled many miles to a whole nother country just to be enslaved where that that lasted 250 years of enslavement. And then after the enslavement, then what we have, guess what, Jim Crow, which lasted another hundred years. And then after that, we talk about state sanction state sanctioned redlining, which happened for 35 years. And even when we go now to this present day where we see that, you know, our brothers and sisters are unarmed. Brothers and sisters are being killed by the police and there's no consequences. That is vicarious trauma that's happening to us. So even that statement of like, let's get over it. That's highly triggering and upsetting to me because it devalues my experience as a Black woman and my my brother's experience as a Black man in this country. And also, as we relate in a community, you know, because of what I mentioned before as things being normalized and, and just written off as like, it is what it is, we even disregard each other's traumas. So I've even heard with my own ears, you know, people expressing their situation to members of their own community. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, that ain't nothing. I've been through A, B, C and D. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. Who says your trauma is more traumatic than my trauma? That's that's my, oh my gosh. Yes. It becomes
1: a matching game. And it's like, this is not a competition. Right. We are both suffering. We should not be seeing, Okay, well, you've been through this, but I can top it. That's not a competition you want to be in. No one wins.
0: No, that's definitely not the comp. But if, if we are if we're being minimized and devalued by people outside our community and then we come within our own community and our experiences are being devalued and minimized, then what does that cause? That subconsciously makes us feel like what we experience doesn't matter. And we all knows what happens when that, when, when that happens at what lowers our self-esteem, our self-worth, you know, we don't count, we don't matter. And so that just perpetuates more of devaluing our own selves based on how we're being treated by even our own community. Absolutely.
1: You mentioned something earlier about Mm -hmm. triggering and being in present day. Listen, only recently, I think it was only like the last two years, did right. I look at The Roots um, mm. collection. I'd spent years, and I'm in my 30s, I spent years actively avoiding watching.
0: Right.
1: I, I don't even know if to call it a movie because it's a collection of all of them. It's hours long. and. Right. I avoided it because I didn't want to feel that level of anger. Mm-hmm. It was triggering enough to read about the real history mm-hmm. of how uh, Afro-descendants have been treated right. throughout the world, throughout years and centuries, right? right. And to then watch it and mm-hmm. see it, I got angry. Uh, to watch things like The Help. Mm -hmm. I got angry Mm -hmm. to watch things like uh, 12 years a slave. I got angry. So it's just all of those things packed on top of each other. And then to come in present day and watch people who look like you, who share your same type of heritage, Mm -hmm. being killed in the street, being ignored in hospitals and prisons and 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 in life and, and being gunned down in their own homes by accidents and oops. And, and at the end of it all, the people who are doing it are not being held responsible. Instead, mm-hmm. their side of the story is portrayed so that there is pity for them and help for them and resources for them where people are even raising funds to help them. Whereas the people who are actually suffering or the people who have lost their lives, we then are being told, get over it. Right. Or if you did it this way, then you would not have died. Or if you follow the rules, then people like you would not experience. I am sick and tired of hearing that narrative. And then even for people like myself, it is for people like myself, I have not, thank God, experienced those things. However, I can get residual trauma by hearing the responses what? of people reacting mm. to it very callously saying mm. that you deserved it saying that it's all oh, well saying right. that you need to get over it saying all those things and and wishing these things on people mm-hmm. whether it's through social media it's through the streets I, I mean it's mind-boggling I, it's I've seen great. it in yeah. the streets I've seen it on social media i and I'm just watching it and I'm triggered at times. And, and let's not even begin to talk mm-hmm. about 2020 when everything started off. I mean, there was a lot happening in 2020. And then this at some point, I spent so much time in prayer asking God to help me to never get to the point of regretting the color of my skin just because it seems like the world hates it. Wow. Wow. I mean, it got to a point of seriousness like that. To, to ask God, help me to remember that you created me with this skin, with this blood. I am beautiful. I am in your image. I am valued because you value me. The opinion and the insecurities of man does not dictate who I am. But God, I see what's happening in the world and it hurts. It hurts me to my core because I feel connected to every single one of these people. And I feel like it's my responsibility to, to make sure the next person or anyone who comes within my reach hears the opposite of the hate that causes the trauma that we're experiencing right now.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I definitely agree with you in terms of being vicariously traumatized by what you see, but also in another sense, as I'm being traumatized and to protect myself from, um, I, I just think of 2020, as you mentioned, and the, you know, different unarmed black men and women who were shot and killed by police. And I could hear something like that and kind of go about my day because I'm so numb to that experience because I constantly hear it. And to even be in that state where it hurts me, but I can't let it affect me to that way because it's just so much and it's almost too much. That's a problem. Because I shouldn't be living like that, but because it's it's so prevalent in our community and this is constantly what we hear, it's just like, what what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to protect my emotional well-being? And it's, it's really a struggle. It really is.
1: You're right. You're absolutely right. Another, another thing that gets to me is that when we do have people who are in... Um, Just because we were talking about law enforcement, when we do have people of color who are in law enforcement and they are hurt also Mm -hmm. by what's happening and they are out there trying to actively be the change. They have such a great burden, one, because they experience it as well. If they're not wearing the badge, they experience it as well. You would hear stories if they're allowed to tell you, um, but that's Mm -hmm. a whole other story altogether. Yeah, (laughs) it is. You know,
0: we do a whole podcast on that alone. (laughs)
1: Exactly. I mean, they wear they wear the burden, and then it's another burden on top of that because then we become jaded as you're as you're saying you Mm -hmm. you start to become numb and you start feeling like well you're all a part of the problem and Mm -hmm. that also is problematic so my next question to you is that do you think Mm -hmm. this may be one of the reasons um, the mitigatory type of speech I'm speaking of, uh, that we hold so many things in as taboo or portray strength instead of acknowledging the pain to actually heal or gain real
0: strength? Absolutely. I, I, I f- absolutely think that's true. Just think of the the idea or the narrative of, quote-unquote, the strong Black woman, right? I understand... <laughs> when- yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And I understand where it comes from. Um, I really don't subscribe to that because for me, it really damages us by creating this unrealistic narrative that we can endure more than everybody else on this earth, including our Black men, who, if we want to go on the topic of, you know, gender roles, the Black man is supposed to be strong, supposed to protect, supposed to provide. But if we are... Um, pushed in this narrative as Black women, as, you know, this strong Black woman, I don't need a man. Listen, this Black woman doesn't subscribe to that. And actually, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you, and I'm a strong person, but the, the narrative in, in what that represents for me, you know, I feel like it really damages us. And, it dam- and when it damages how we relate to each other as black men and black women. It creates that friction, that weird dynamic that I don't need you because I got. girl. This. You know, I don't, need you. I don't need you. I got my own car, my own house, my own this, and, and that's wonderful. But what kind of dynamic are you bringing in terms of family? You know, it all, how our community is strengthened is through the family. And if us as a community, as when I mean us, I mean black men and black women can't get along or have this dynamic that we don't need each other and each other, the value in each other is not mentioned or devalued, then how are we supposed to strengthen the community? And so that really, it really just damages us all together. And also in terms of taboo of, you know, realizing trauma, like I said before, in terms of disregarding what we've been through, you know, comparing what we've been through, it also damages us. So because we're doing that, we're not getting the help that we need because we don't even want to acknowledge that we need help. I agree with you. With a strong black woman, you know?
1: (laughs) I agree with you. Um, I would say that I don't have a full problem being called strong. Mm-hmm. However, I put it in general senses of the female is also strong. Right. I, I think that's where it gets it gets um, misunderstood. Because people, the narrative that people are bringing and giving and ascribing to black women is treating us as though we are Captain save And it's always like, yes, we have the ability to be brilliant. Yes, we have so many talents. And the reason why we are showcasing these talents is because for so many years it's been ignored. It's been used and then given credit to someone else. But here's the problem. Mm -hmm. we should not be used as pawns to fix your problem all the time and then still be mitigated and then someone else is praised above it. And that's that's the issue right there. So yes, call me strong, acknowledge that I am strong, but also acknowledge when wrong is done to me. Acknowledge the fact that I should be able to feel the emotions that I feel. If I feel weak at a moment, if I feel the need to cry, if I feel the need to tell you that this thing is affecting me so deeply, I feel like I cannot function at this moment and I need to deal with my emotional, mental and physical health. That should be respected. And that's, I think, where we find problem in that we can't even talk about it because it's now a taboo. If I express myself, you're like, oh, this strong, independent woman, she don't need this. She don't need that. It's problematic. And this is where we start butting heads with each other. I think it sets us up for failure in our community. And overall, and I, I am, think it's ridiculous.
0: I, I do. It's um, it's ridiculous and it's unrealistic. As you were talking, I I'm, I'm thinking of a story of this happened last year, where um uh, it's happened in Florida. A woman got into an altercation with this white um guy, and he actually pointed a gun in her face. Right? Police were called. And she was actually arrested. She was slammed to the ground, arrested. And when you see the video, you know, obviously she's upset. She's stressed out. She just had a gun pointed in her face. But the police officer viewed her as being threatening, as being aggressive, when all she was doing was showing the emotion of being upset, like any human would, of having a gun pointed in their face. And so I think in terms of that... Strong black woman, you know, in in that narrative and how it manifests itself as as black women, we see the highest mortality rate in childbirth as it Mm. pertains to women during childbirth. And as well as the infants, we also have the highest rate of single motherhood. We have the highest rate of uh, we have the highest rate of single motherhood. And we also have the highest rate of being single, never married more than our counterparts. And so all of this contributes to that notion of the strong Black woman being misunderstood, as you said, and misconstrued and perceived as something just totally ridiculous and unrealistic. And unfortunately, it hurts us in the end. And when I say us, I mean Black women. Sure do.
1: (laughs) It sure does. Let me ask you. Mm -hmm. You counsel with youth, right? Right. Okay. So... How have you seen this play out and Mm -hmm. what are some positive changes that you've seen come about as a result of properly handling Mm -hmm. trauma?
0: Okay, so I don't know about you, Crystal, but, you know, I come from a Jamaican household, right? You do? Get out of town. (laughs) and so you know in the Caribbean household and I get it but there's a term of children you know you're seen not heard so you go sit down in the corner somewhere you know let adults handle adult business but unfortunately while I'm sitting in the corner I'm still viewing and experiencing everything that's happening around me and so Internalizing everything, and so when they go to school now, these kids who are experiencing this trauma at home, and they're acting out, fighting, being aggressive, and that's a lot of the kids that I work with. Um, just a little background: I work with kids specifically who families, excuse me, not just the kids, families that have been impacted by the criminal justice and foster care system. True to two traumatic experiences, wow. right? And so they're dealing with all of this. They got to go to school. They have to get good grades. They're expected to act a certain way. So as kids who are developmentally not as advanced as an adult would be, those type of emotions is hard to express. So what I do is create that safe space for them where they give them the opportunity I to express how they're feeling and to tell, you know, they may not be able to articulate I'm sad or I'm angry because of A, B, and C, but give them the space to even learn how to identify emotion and what they're feeling. I think in our community, due to the lack of social, emotional development, we can't even identify emotion within ourselves. Some adults still can't do that. Exactly. Right? And so part of my program that I work for Is that we do things like that with them. Also, we teach them growth mindset, which what that is, is, you know, even though despite challenges, I'm going to work hard and push through these challenges. That's so that's the first thing that we deal with. We help them find their spark to give them something. What are you interested in? What do you like to do? What do you want to aspire to? And so all of these different self-esteem and self-worth and these different attributes and what we like to call core assets that we teach these teach the kids that we work with. And also, above all that, teaching them positive coping skills, because we understand that this is life. Things are going to happen. You know, you go to experiencing things that are out of your control. Trauma usually is out of your control. And so just being able to, OK, this happened, but I have this toolbox of positive coping skills that I'm going to use to deal with this trauma that I experienced. That is what I seen that works with our kids and that continues to have them flourish.
1: I love that. And I love that you mentioned helping them find their spark. That reminds me of the reason why I started the nonprofit organization, Her Spark. Mm. And it's, it's to get beyond your circumstances and what you've been through, knowing right. that it doesn't make who you are. You still have right. an option. It, it doesn't define your end, you know? And I love that you said that. And I love that you're working with youth to help them get there and to teach them how to cope and identify uh, their emotions. That's that's incredible. I'm really happy Thank that you. they have you. <laughs>
0: Truly. Oh, they, um, they are really the true champions. Kids are so resilient. They are. Uh, so, uh, it's so amazing. And, you know, Especially I Especially when you
1: can reach them when they're still- able to be molded
0: in a a good way you know absolutely I agree
1: let's see the last thing um Mm -hmm. I want to ask you and I want to thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy day
0: um could you
1: give the listeners At least like three to five things that they can do for better emotional and well and mental well-being, even if they don't personally suffer from a trauma.
0: Right. Absolutely. You know, um, I have three top things that I tell everyone when I, I share these tips. And the first one is, first and foremost, acknowledge the trauma that you experience, Just because it's maybe a normalcy within your family, within your neighborhood, that does not make it normal and it does not make it less traumatizing and emotionally damaging. So acknowledge when you feel hurt, when you're feeling angry, and when something distressing and disturbing happens, that's what trauma is. Acknowledge it. That's the first step. You know, with anything uh, that when you think of AA and you think of all these, you know, Narcotics Anonymous, the first thing they do tell you what to do, acknowledge, right? Acknowledge that you're an alcoholic. Right. So the first step is to like acknowledge the fact that you are going, that you have been traumatized and that you it hurts, first and foremost. The second thing is to seek professional help. Therapy, I love therapy. It's and not for only everybody. Because I'm a doctor, right? for black <laughs>
1: people, too, people. Listen, it is uh, for uh, us too. Uh,
0: But but you know what? I agree. And that's that's part of the damaging narrative that is not for us. I do believe, though, that within the last few years, at least since I've been in the mental health field, I will have to say, which I'm so happy about, that more um, black people are seeking therapy and they are acknowledging yes. mental health diagnoses yes. Yes. because you would not even imagine how many people are walking around with undiagnosed mental health illnesses, things like PTSD, bipolar disorder. And because, like I said before, mental health services are not prevalent in our community, although we're the most traumatized, so they're not getting the help that they need right? So definitely seek that professional help. And last that I'm going to put out for you all is practice self-care. It's, I'm going to say it again, practice (laughs) self-care. Please. And what that, what that may look like, you know, I like to read. So when I'm feeling, you know, type of way, I like to read, you know, binge watch my favorite show, take a hot bath, exercise, take a walk, anything that makes you feel good to raise those happy hormones, those endorphins to kind of get you out of that funk. It's okay to take time for yourself.
1: It sure is. It's Lord okay. knows I missed the spa.
0: Oh, oh my gosh. The spa. <laughs> I, miss I you love that. it. <laughs> <We> all... <laughs> I love it. But it, it, it's just, it's just so important to, you know, take, some time for yourself.
1: Thank you absolutely. so much for sharing that. You're absolutely right. Take time for yourself because if it's not you selfish. don't, it's not selfish. If you don't, who will? And even right. if someone even, else took time to pamper you, it's important for right. you to acknowledge yourself as well. It, it, I mean, right. you live with you the longest. <laughs> absolutely you know um so that's really important adonna i am so grateful that you were able to come on the show today thank you so much yeah. for dropping gems really quickly
0: you.
1: you're welcome yeah. really quickly before we end could you please tell the folks where they can find you
0: absolutely so you can find me on ig that's Adana the truth one word a-d-a-n-a-t-h-a truth um, you could also find me, you could email me at adonnathetruth at gmail.com. And definitely, if you want to know more about my services, uh, Donna the Truth Enterprises, definitely contact me. What I do is I create special workshops to actually help those who have negative childhood negative childhood habits that now are affecting them as adults. And in sense of that, it brings that self-love and self-care is a part of self-love. And so once you build that relationship with yourself, you can build positive relationships with others. And that's what I teach. So if you want more, uh, if you want to know more about it, please contact me.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Adana. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Remember, acknowledge, seek professional help and take care of yourself. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Thanks for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, like, comment, and share. Remember, you can find us everywhere podcasts are streamed. Post your comments and your topic requests on crystalsays.com or on Instagram at the Let's Chat Podcast. Don't be shy. Let's chat. You and me.